Welcome to Trek in the Time of Corona. In his 1972 book, The World of Star Trek, David Gerald wrote that science fiction at its best was the postulation of an alternate reality with which to comment on this one. On this podcast, a fan of Trek and a fan of everything but Trek will come together to search for reflections of this pandemic life by watching and discussing contagious disease-themed episodes from the Star Trek universe. My name is Brian Apple, and I am here with Caroline Harmondero. Today's episode, From the Next Generation, Unnatural Selection, original air date, January 30th, 1989. On the way to Space Station India, Captain Picard is in his ready room, expressing concerns to Diana Troy about Dr. Pulaski's passion and how it may interfere with her objectivity when the Enterprise receives a distress call from the USS Landry. Diverting from course, Picard and crew find the Landry in a peculiar situation. All the systems aboard the ship are functional, but there are no life signs. Using the readings she gets from the bridge of the Enterprise, Dr. Pulaski determines the entire crew of the other ship have died of natural causes. More specifically, old age. Or as Riker puts it, it looks as if they have lost a battle with time. A quarantine warning is placed on the Landry to prevent anyone from coming into contact with a potential threat, and the Enterprise departs for the Darwin Research Station on Garrigan 4, where the first officer of the Landry was treated for Thalusian flu. Arriving at the research station, the Enterprise is warned by Dr. Sarah Kingsley that an infectious disease that causes rapid aging is killing everyone at the space station. Everyone except for the children they have been, well, genetically enhancing and raising at the station. The researchers have accepted their fate, but have fears that the children, the genetically enhanced ones, who are right now in isolation and show no symptoms, are in danger. Dr. Pulaski passionately agrees that action must be taken and the children should be brought aboard the Enterprise for protection, testing, and treatment. Picard passionately disagrees, not wanting to put the entire ship's well-being at risk. A compromise is worked out where one child will be brought aboard using several layers of high-level science fiction barriers in order to keep safe all others aboard, allowing the doctor to perform her tests with minimal danger. The compromise works at first, though all involved are astonished that the child may be 12, but the genetic experiments have advanced his growth to that of not only a full man, but a telepathic one. Unfortunately, Pulaski's tests can only go so far, and she soon decides that the layers of protection must be removed in order to truly determine whether or not it would be safe for the children to be transported to the Enterprise. Picard, surprising Pulaski, agrees to allow her to take the child, Data, and herself onto a shuttlecraft and away from the ship to run additional tests. Not surprising, this risk ends up being a miscalculation. The genetically enhanced children are asymptomatic carriers of the disease, and Pulaski is now infected. Now it is the captain's turn for an impulsive risk. First, he wants to take Pulaski back aboard, infectious disease be damned. 
She rejects this proposal, pointing out that looking before leaping is exactly how she got into this mess. Then, after discovering exactly how the virus was created, through the aggressive, extremely proactive immune systems of the children at the research center, Picard and the senior officers develop a plan inspired by Chief O'Brien to use the transporter and the records of the previous patterns of her body to rid Pulaski of the virus and turn her, now geriatric, body back to her previous age. Leaving the research center, all cured, happy, and genetically engineered children forever isolated from the galaxy, the Enterprise returns to the Lantry and, by way of one photon torpedo, destroy the quarantined ship. Well, so you had texted me that this was your favorite episode of the three that we've watched so far. Definitely. Why is that? I think, um, I mean, maybe I, maybe I like the show itself better than the other two, but I don't know about that yet, but I know that this episode had to do with like a woman in a leadership position and kind of her, like kind of the nuances of her leadership and her decision-making and and her kind of as a scientist and a scholar. And I thought that was pretty unusual in the scope of American television. So I loved that for one thing. But, you know, also just went into so many different pieces of the puzzle in responding to a crisis or pandemic. But there, it was so muddled, I felt. Like they... they the responses were they kept shifting and it it was it, it seemed like they didn't ever know what their response would be and they kept changing based on emotions like she got emotional about the kid and wanting to save the children and then when she got sick Picard got emotional about saving her and 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 the emotions kept producing bad ideas it felt like well another way to look at it would be that the emotions produced all the good ideas and how you know everyone was saved and protected and i think that that's their that was their fight like the human versus keeping the ship in mind so you know they talk about their different approaches to leadership and they're both talking about each other behind their backs and and they're putting this this parallel together where one of them is focused on the human side of things and the other will put the ship above any human concern. And uh, But I agree with you that in the end, he actually decides to act on emotion and his commitment to her. And so then she says, you know, I got us into this by leaping before I looked and I'm not going to let you do the same thing. Um, so I think it's it's interesting how it comes full circle to sort of human connection, but ultimately putting the ship before yourself. They're, they're both acting out different versions of that. Right. And I just felt annoyed with them both times. Like it just felt like they, they constantly were putting this ideal forward when the crisis like they were, they they were both putting ideals before making the right choice i felt in in the ways that they wanted to take these risks that could endanger everybody
Yeah, I think um, she has this great line where she says, you know, I'm, I have a duty to this ship, but I also have a duty to humanity. And um, so I think ultimately she wins that argument because she has not a narrower concern than his concern for the ship, but actually a much broader one. Right. And that's why I think you're very, very wrong. <laughs> um, I feel like one of the ways that this is really tying to COVID-19 for me is that she really saves the day. And um, because she has better judgment and higher ideals in in this fight against, um, they're always, they always have all these metaphors for a battle against disease, um, which we see all day, every day in our media right now. Um, but I think one of the, one of the big picture learnings from dealing with this pandemic right now in 2020 is that the countries that have had the fewest deaths are all led by women. And, uh, and so I feel like there's, a um, a broader learning about sort of how women make decisions even for entire nations and are able to put human concerns and life itself above the economy in a different way than men are. And that one thing that I notice about the women leaders that I know is that they're better at collaborating. So they're better at connecting people across different silos. So I could see that being really important in a, in a crisis. The things that, that people are talking about in New Zealand, for example, are things that might be um, stereotypically related, connected to men over time. That, and she's just better at those things too, like really fast action and judgment. There's also maybe something to be said that a country or a group of people that has been able to overcome some aspects of a patriarchy are also a group of people who are going to be able to look past their immediate feelings and needs and think about the, the what's best for the whole. Yeah. So these might I even that's be a great point. countries that are acting more communal in their thinking. Yeah. I mean, the thing that they've been writing about Merkel is just that she's also a scientist. So she's being guided by scientists and making the right decisions. But I think also, I mean, I guess if you want to take it out a step further, if you're growing up a girl and a, and a woman, you are you have to be able to continue to operate when when fearing death. So I wonder if that if there's something around that too. Uh, when you stand back from it afterward, there may be some things to learn about leadership from that. Wow, that just gave me a whole different perspective on the episode and what's going on. Um, because, <laughs> because then looking at it from that way, her risk was done to save everyone i mean to, to for the for the benefit of all involved both the people who were sick and the people who were not yet infected but wanting to prevent them from being infected hmm, that's very interesting just speaking up for one thing for picard at the end it was admirable that he was willing to have the blame for everything that could go wrong taking that very risky transport 
practice of filtering out the virus and reconstructing her without the virus in that O'Brien says, here's what the risk will be. We won't be able to send her back. She'll definitely disintegrate into the um, ether. And Picard said, I'll operate the controls myself. And there, there is, there is a line between admirable leaders and leaders who aren't admirable. And I think being the one to say, I've made a decision and therefore I am going to execute that decision and make sure that whether it works or not, I have full ownership of it. And somebody was comparing some current leaders to um, past leaders and not that our past leaders have much to be admirable about, admirable about but talking about how John F. Kennedy came out right after the Bay of Pigs invasion and said, this is my fault. Like I take full responsibility for, for this happening. And I just think it's something that is lacking maybe even in our good leaders right now, just this sense of always looking to cover themselves and make sure that there's someone else to blame. Yeah. And the, and we talked about this in our last episode too, just constant shifting of blame. Um, and at least hourly messages about how it's everyone else's fault, um, but the president's and telling a press conference that he won't take responsibility. Um, it's not a good model for our kids to look up to of how to lead. So it's good to have these Star Trek characters to look up to. So on each of these episodes, I think to create a sense of drama, there's always been a time element. And so uh, the time element, either with the ship crashing or curing the disease before everyone dies or curing the disease before everyone dies and before the station blows up, there's always this time factor. And in this episode, it was to cure the people who had the disease before they died. And it seems like the time intensifies the feelings in in the moment. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think time is a huge piece of what this episode's trying to do and trying to analyze. Why, without this same drama-driven time factor for us, certainly there are people who are sick and dying, but we, we have a very firm understanding of when a quote-unquote cure will come, and that's not what we're rushing to do for any one individual. Our time drama is being created by this artificial sense of we have to get the economy up and running, which is something that is completely created by, I mean, we choose what our economy looks like and how it operates. And it's so, it's so different from the way the time is used on a show like this, where the time is legitimate. We, we, are developing a cure and we have to save this person or the ship's going to crash. We have to get a cure so we can make sure that we all don't die. But time in real life is completely different and it shouldn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but our choices are making it matter. Yeah. The sense of urgency that, you know, when the president said they want one of the nation open by Easter and, um, and other statements about, wanting to reopen 
the country for business and then that sense of urgency by these sort of armed protests but also i think there's this there's another parallel which has to do with the aging process and speeding up the aging process and i think article just came out about half of the deaths in Europe had to do with nursing homes. I just think that's such a unbelievably shocking piece. And uh, like we had all this back and forth in our household about whether to move my mother-in-law in with us a couple of years ago. And it's just been this huge adjustment for all of us and super difficult. And now it seems like possibly, you know, saved her life. And this, I saw, I saw an article the other day that said, I'm 90, but I'm not expendable. And so the line, what's the what's Picard's like right-hand man's name? Riker. So Riker says, it looks like they fought a battle with time and loss. Right, yeah. And, I, wrote, um, I wrote that one down too. And uh, I think that they, um, you know, there's kind of an eerie parallel with sort of how this particular disease is affecting the very old and COVID-19 right now. And, uh, and it's just horrifying and this speeding people toward death, I think. Um, yeah. And very isolated, uh, isolated deaths too, in terms of families, not even be able, being able to visit those who are sick. And I, and it kind of, I mean, I caught a picture of that when the people, who in the episode were confined to the base and were just pretty much had to be, I mean, the Dr. Pulaski says, this will be my last transmission and, and signs off like a, a real sense of finality. Mm-hmm. Well, but then the, the real finality was when they actually explode the ship with the elderly dead. And I think that that sort of is this, um, that's when I thought of that article, like, we're expendable to you. Um, like, it, when they said the, the land tree paid with their lives and their sacrifices noted, our elders are paying with their lives and their sacrifices needs to be noted. Yeah, well, I think it's being totally ignored right right now. I mean, I don't think, I, I don't know what it would be like being at the height of privilege, especially I can't imagine what it would be like for somebody to be debating on TV whether or not my life should be kept safe. And that's just a shocking thing to think that's happening to, in this case, elderly or people who are immunosuppressed or people who are disabled, any number of risk factors. There's debate happening in the country about if it's okay to not to, if it's okay to put these people at risk for right. the disease, yeah, which is unbelievable. Yeah. In order to get our children back to school. So there was this interesting like debate about the children versus everyone else. Um, that They were going to be safe. They thought they were going to be safe. But then finding out not only were they carriers, but that they ultimately were the cause of it. Um. But here and now we have, you know, so many people just wanting their children to be back in school for a wide variety of reasons. And the idea that they're so adamant about that because they're confident that their child's going to be safe, but then they're going to be carriers to 
Villanova populations. Whoa, yeah. I mean, it was very interesting just to be watching this show where the children were asymptomatic carriers, essentially. I mean, people who didn't have the disease passing it on. But it was also, these were children who had been created through this Darwin genetic research project. Right. And all of the crises that we're creating in our heads, almost like when we're saying the kids have to get back to school because they're missing out on their education or the kids have to get back to school because people have to work or else the economy crashes. These are all structures that we have built in our minds like they're not actually real things. This is not how it exists in nature. Um, that's why the episode saying unnatural selection, like it really feels like we are in a similar situation in which we've created this environment and we're talking about whether to let these social constructions survive in in place of l- making sure that as many people as possible can survive. Because kids missing half a year of school, every education goal we set for children is in many ways, arbitrary. <laughs> I mean, we we just kind of make up when they should learn, what they should learn. And the economy, we just make up that that's the way. I mean, the economy, the way it is, is because we choose it to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And And that's what I got this sense from watching this episode, the idea that the people who caught the disease had caught it through creating these um, individuals who... Um, the repercussions of creating them were the virus that that altered everyone's DNA and and made them age in an unbelievably rapid rate. And it just seems like the systems we've created are not systems that are actually there to keep us safe. And we're debating about whether or not to keep them rather than debating, should we even have them? Like, is, does it doesn't make sense to have them. And I got the sense at the end of the episode that these kids are just going to be locked up on this station for the rest of their lives because they're, it's too dangerous to let them out. Yeah. Um, they're going to, kind of... they're going to live forever and they're never going to interact with the rest of the galaxy. Right. 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 Um, but I, but, but, just like the people who were infected with the disease had a hand in creating it. I, I think that in many ways, the, the global constructions that we've put around wealth and the accumulation of wealth has helped contribute to our inadequate response in all those countries that are especially led by men, as you pointed out earlier. Yeah. But also, I think there's this big theme about the overreach of technology and um, like you're saying, and so I think it's so fascinating in, in this great character of Dr. Pulaski that it's very unusual that she's sort of the scientist on board, but she's the one who mistrusts the technology the most. Um, right, right, she's, right. She doesn't like to be beamed. She'd rather take a shuttle. And um, she's afraid that her atoms will be spread through the galaxy and never reconstitute or whatever the lingo is (laughs) and uh but that also turns out to be the cure like i I mean there's still yeah she has to trust it yeah she has to trust it with her life yeah with kind of like eugenics and um 
trying to play God with genetics and sort of deciding who lives or dies. I think that that's um, on my mind a lot with COVID-19 because so many of the ins and outs of these decisions that are being made are in effect deciding who's going to live or die. And so any sort of any sort of elected official or decision maker right now is is being called on to play God in certain ways and deciding. Yeah, I mean, there's lives in the balance for each each day's decisions at this point. What's so funny about that, though, is that we don't seem to recognize that. And instead, we go towards looking for a real life genetic engineering conspiracy that this, you know, was created in a lab in Wuhan. <laughs> and right. I mean, like that, that kind of genetic engineering is actu actually happening because of the way we place priorities, like you said. But in, we ignore that and we look towards something like more like what happened on the show where we're purposefully creating diseases and using them for whatever reason, the conspiracy theorist thinks like it, it's just so bizarre that the real conspiracy theory is not even a theory. It's right in front of us happening every day, but we need to create ones out of science fiction shows to meet some sort of need we have to, I don't know, to, to solve a mystery or to feel important. I don't know why, but it's, it's, it, it is happening. It might not be happening the way that that's, um, you know, entertaining, I guess, but it, it's happening in a very real and very serious way. There's this theme throughout the show about risk. I think they mentioned it clearly twice, but it's always lurking in the background. Like what risks are they willing to take? And when does the risk outweigh the benefit in terms of helping people, but hurting more people. And um, it kind of layers it from the risk that a medical researcher will be taking and then the risk of the captain and then the risk to people and from people. And then on top of that, the very fact that every human is taking a risk anytime they interact with almost anything in the world, there, there's an element of risk that, that we are taking. And um, I'm definitely, I mean, I'm thinking about risk constantly, especially even though we, we have heard kids are not as vulnerable to the coronavirus as adults. It's still something you can't help but think about as a parent, like just all the time. Like my daughter is climbing a tree and I'm thinking if she falls, we go to the hospital, we're putting ourselves at risk. I mean, every time a package is delivered, I'm thinking about not only the risk to our family, but now I've had a package delivered to this house, putting the person who's carrying the package at risk. Yeah. I know people talking about how it's so much safer to get things delivered, but I'm like, what about the person who's delivering it? They went to the grocery store. Exactly. And, and where the risk of being human, how intertwined are we that any risk that we take is also a risk that we are giving to someone else. So both Pulaski and Picard, the risks they were talking about and the risks that they ended up taking were not just going to affect them or impact their lives. It was going to impact everybody on the ship and everybody who was sick and everybody um, who was going to be um, um, interacting with them. Absolutely. And I think that that was another example of how great she was. You know, she was willing to put herself on the line to save 
these children that were unknown to her and other people and other transports or stations or whatever, as well as her own crew. And then also to own up to mistakes that she made. So saying that she wasn't willing to put the others at risk to save her because she had acted too rashly earlier. That's a good point about all of our risks being intertwined because there's kind of no like just take the the most basic thing of food there's no way to get it from here to there without somebody being at risk so you have to decide if it's going to be a member of your family or some other person that you don't know yeah or which member of your family takes the risk and 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 just all there's so many layers to it it's much more complicated than the more you think about it the more complicated it gets i think what do we need from our leader when our lives and our children's lives are on the line? I'm looking for a leader who's willing to risk her own life, who puts others first, who takes considered action quickly by listening to experts, and who readily admits their mistakes, takes responsibility for them. Governing in a pandemic, in a way, is controlling who lives or dies like a god, and controlling our evolution like the eugenics that we saw in this episode. In that setting, we need someone who can be trusted to take each life's value equally, even elderly, and to take each loss heavily. We saw this in Dr. Pulaski, and we have seen it in a number of female presidents whose countries have had the fewest deaths from COVID-19. Why? I think women are less likely to think they have all the answers and to reach out quickly for collaboration and for expert advice. We're accustomed to self-sacrifice and trial and are good at showing compassion. And I hope that we can find that in our country.